welcome to sister radio i'm akitami some of you might know me from sister library the first community owned community run feminist library in south asia just like the library this space is about celebrating women each episode i'm joined by a different sister for a conversation where we share our experiences and thoughts on everything including art activism growing up work and of course reading books written by female authors before introducing our guest today i want to thank all the listeners of sister radio for receiving us with so much love thank you so much i hope the love keeps getting stronger as we grow together i'm so happy to say that today we are joined by my dearest friend sister and resistor pradnya bimsindu pradnya is a doctoral scholar at the jawaharlal nehru university in new delhi prior to which she was awarded a master's degree in dalit and tribal studies at the tata institute of social sciences she is the editor of the marathi section of the brilliant round table india one of my most favorite online spaces to in community she is also an editorial member of savari a space for dalit bahujan adivasi and indigenous women to share perspectives from our history and our dreams for the future hello sis how are you i'm good aki thank you thank you for inviting me to this wonderful space i'm really glad oh you so wonderful. thank you so much i had to bring you on board and i had to make sure that people listen to your voice it's so important Thank you so much. Oh, where are you sheltered? Where are uh, you? I'm now at home in Aurangabad, Maharashtra. I'm staying with my mom. And how is the situation there? The COVID situation. Uh, Aurangabad is in red zone right now. We have over two thousand cases now, so it's pretty bad. It's quite difficult. Mm. And how are you coping with the crisis? We are just taking the uh, preliminary precautions, not going out. But then it's also difficult to get the daily things that you require on daily basis. It's quite a struggle. The larger consequences of this crisis, I see it's going to be a huge challenge mm. for the mm. next couple right. of years. And uh, is there something that you are working on currently while you are at home? So I was working as an assistant professor. Uh, and my contract got over in april since i'm also enrolled for the phd i could not work on my thesis while i was working in king as a professor there so this time i'm trying to utilize it so i am actually working right now i am spending most of my time on reading and just writing my thesis when teaching in india it is so challenging because a majority of the classroom it's composed of mainland students caste hindu students it's a really strange feeling to have because i know i'm doing a phd myself and i would like to get into uh, academics but the thought of having to go to mm-hmm. a classroom full of entitled yeah. people just the thought makes me feel like do i want to do that yeah. do i want to walk that path how do you like teaching do you like it how has your experience been <laughs> yes yes i was really afraid of teaching in the first place i cannot really address a large public it was also a learning experience for me to overcome my own weaknesses as well to talk about the classroom settings i was really fortunate to have a class of students who who came from
from a very different background since the college is located in a small town majority of the students were from the nearby villages and most of them mm-hmm. did not come from the formal educational settings as also uh, many of them had dropped out in between they were also elder to me some of them had already completed their bachelors and they were trying to get back to the studies uh, most of the students they also worked as wage laborers so their experiences were really varied since i myself being in setting like jnu where students from english medium background come and the majority of the conversation happens in english so that was not the case when i was teaching at the college also we always consider that english education is the only profound way of educating ourselves but then when i actually stepped into that college and i started to observe students started to work with them because i also had to supervise them for their research and for their field work so the kind of perspective these students have irrespective of the fact that none of them really had a continuous education but still their world view was shaped by the kind of experiences they have in their own life so yes i really enjoyed that process of you know learning and unlearning also so it was also kind of revelation to me that i was never been in that that kind of an environment like there was no necessity of having this burden of being surrounded by so called intellectuals or there was no such pressure of living in the constant state of conscious that experience was really different for me which i could gain in that particular college hmm. yeah it sounds like really i don't know if i make sense but <laughs> Yeah, uh, what you said is absolutely right about having to be constantly conscious yeah. and having to prove our place in the Indeed. institute is something that I have dealt with as well, and it is really huge burden to carry, and it's never enough. Also, want us to give up everything that we are and fit into their idea of what an intellectual is. It's a lot. I understand how these institutes. are like in city spaces that are impermeable feels like it's such a difficult place mm-hmm. to go to there is no yes, way yes. one could enter spaces like so this so it's it's say like when when i first entered in tiss it was a shock for me like i never knew infrastructure of that kind could exist and that could be called an uh, educational institution these things are really important that's why i really felt it the disconnect that one can feel being in institutions like tiss or jnu with the community is not there when we talk about the colleges or educational institutions at the local level oh, but remember that one time we took over the institute the time when we did the national dalit and adivasi women's congress and the greatest part of this organizing was that the congress was organized by four women i should say akithami pradna jadav manju and rashmi me birwa four of us from different languages from different regions from different social identities we organized a gathering of leaders professionals students artists orators from dalit bahujan adivasi communities all women it was very wonderful experience to learn from these women and yeah it was the first of its kind it has never happened again and it was amazing and imagine we were so 
स्पेसिफिक अबाउट इन्वॉल्विंग डेलीगेट्स ओनली फ्रॉम दलित बहुजन आदिवासी कम्युनिटी अदर टाइम्स वी आर द फर्स्ट वन टू गेट रिजेक्टेड बट देन हियर देवर प्रोफेशनल जस्ट डे बिफोर शी वॉज इन जेल we were very mindful of not just inviting women from academia and so called professional backgrounds but also women who did not go to universities but were still impacting change making that was something seriously <laughs> as you re- rightly said we were kids then right you remember we had started to cry on the last day when we were all saying goodbye to the delegate talking about being kids tell me about the time when you were at- actual child i grew up in aurangabad throughout my parents were both settled in aurangabad aurangabad has a very rich history of they say aurangabad is breeding ground for dalit movement and my parents both were active in uh, in the movement for quite long time uh, my mother worked as a community organizer in municipal corporation and my father was a dalit activist he was a strong activist in his previous days he worked in dalit panthers then he joined dalit youth front which was a local political organization run by active dalit youths in maratwada the region i am from they also took upon many uh, major issues such as establishing right over water in maratwada region then there used to be uh, boycotts on dalits imposed by savarnas so dalit youth front was a group whose activists would go to the village and they will try to resolve or they will try that was the major area of their work working against dalit atrocities and also creating awareness among the dalit community about their rights and how they can acquire the right and then they were also involved in namantar andolan which is very widely discussed dalit movements in maharashtra so and i am the only daughter so i really had a blessed childhood um i think i could take the legacy of my father well wow, you've got activism in your blood i think so my father never claimed to be an activist he would only say that he has to work for the community the best way is possible they never used to teach me these things but i could grasp all this all sundays will would come to our home and there used to be like long long meetings and discussions about what are the issues that that they have to take on agenda i have seen all that environment and that is how i i started looking at me as one of the members of community all that has really helped me to grow as a person it's beautiful it really is like you know especially like the part where you said that your father said i have to make this for the community i have to do this as my contribution so it was never about doing this great charity i really have problems people claiming that they're working for the movement no movement demands any individual to you know show your i card it's very natural to one being i'm also reminded of the facts that these days running a movement has become a kind of business many people they see it as an opportunity to get fame or there are some wasted interests to it whenever i think of my father or the senior dalit activist i don't see them with any kind of baggage or attitude that okay oh, we are the ones who will you know liberate you or who will emancipate you from your hurdles you rightly said you know dissent has become so prof- 
comfortable now because everybody wants to be seen as actively participating towards dismantling structures of oppression and hierarchy like even Pepsi if everybody is working towards liberation of historically oppressed communities then why are these structures still thriving i don't understand like everybody wants to be an activist everybody wants to claim that they are activists but nothing is changing nothing is happening and there's no connection there's no care it's moved so far from being a space of care because we as people have been denied uh, affection and care and love centuries of slavery and labor and that caring for each other was never allowed for us and it was within the community within the movement when we realized that i love this person and i care for this person and i don't want this to happen to this person and like you said nobody teaches these things to us it just comes naturally i want to protect you and i want to talk about you because i recognize you as yes. my sister i find and my community in you yes and it's very um, it's it's a mutual feeling i don't know if we would be talking if we did not have if we never felt that way you rightly said that we have been denied that kind of an affection but then the kind of harsh experiences that we begin to experience is when we interact with the outer world who see us as as marginalized or i really have problems with calling myself as victim but then that is how i have been projected all throughout in literature in academic and it's true it is the outside forces that teaches us and i think even bell hooks is articulated where she talks about grace is only felt when you leave the house within our community we don't feel anything it's only when we leave the community we are like oh wait a second do you treat a human being like that <laughs> like what are you on with your mind yeah. <laughs> and when did you think you'll continue with academics was there a moment you decided or did it just happen like uh, okay so i really have dr ambedkar's influence on my life i think this would be last time i would be saying this because i've always found him around me like i never felt the need of you know mentioning it that i am impressed or i am motivated by ambedkar but i always had this kind of idea that one day i need to earn a doctorate that is one major reason why i decided to come into academic and secondly after i completed my post graduation i was working in delhi with a human rights organization dalit human rights organization the kind of experience i got in those two years was really different that particular phase of my life was very decisive in that sense because that's where i could think ngos is not my cup of tea or it was so suffocating and i really needed a way out that is how i decided mm. to join yeah same about baba saheb even i was like oh my goodness i have to get a phd yes it's a major influence on it's a very profound thing i think i have inherited from his legacy i think like me there there could be lacks and there could be many yeah. others exactly also. even for people who don't really read ambedkar imagery is so important the statues that we see and the images of him that we see propped up by the roadside in bombay when you see baba saheb mm-hmm. statue it's not like seeing a gandhi or a nehru it's it's a very different thing it holds a very different meaning a lot of people don't realize it and then they blanket it as the same thing yo it's 
Yes. It's a whole different thing altogether. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a bit about your PhD? What is your study on? To mention very interesting thing about Marathwada is that it was always ruled by Nizam. And Nizam had given a pieces of lands to Mahars and people from the lower caste as a incentive about their service to, to his empire. Over the years, all this land was grabbed by the Savarnas. And now again, a great activist like Eknath Award, he started this demanding or encroaching the land, the grazing land. The land struggle in Marathwada is very famous and mainly people have done their studies on that particular issue. Since I was always interested in environment and in my PhD I'm trying to explore environmental consequences of land rights movement. Trying to see the caste relations, the gender relations in terms of land ownership and how this overall environmental policy you know, impacts the so-called marginalized who are accessing their right over land. Finding my own theory to understand the process of how people perceive land as land has a different meaning it's not just a piece of earth which will give you livelihood but land is something about the dignity something about having a right to life again like i am trying to situate all my study in the overall environmental perspective because environment it's very elitist not many from marginalized communities have a say to state what they feel about environment i think it would be an amazing study and I look forward to reading it. Sure. Tell us about your working experience with Savari. I'm so excited to hear and learn from you what goes on into being an editor. <laughs> Tell us everything. Um... I do have another few members with me on the editorial board and I'm not the whole but then it's been a very good experience for me. A girl from Marathwada who has studied in Marathi school all over her life is actually becoming a part of something global, something like Sauri. I don't know if I would be given this kind of an opportunity had I been in a Brahminical environment. Sauri was really a space for me to start to reflect myself. Writing has been my passion we always have this kind of a feeling that okay, we are going to write this but is it going to be read well how it will be perceived by the reader so that kind of a notion we always have i too had but since i started writing in savri i started to feel okay i should not really worry how how my writing is going to be perceived by others i am writing for my own self this is something i had never thought about uh, doing myself i'm actually writing and that is all enough for me with savri i I am also growing so it's a very wonderful experience so far yeah sorry is a really beautiful and a warm space and like it's transformative no because it's also a space for us women because of patriarchy that exists even within our communities it's kind of difficult for us to articulate a lot of things around men this is the space just for us where we can talk about our realities and it's just i'm in love with sorry like really the first <laughs> First time I started reading articles from it eight yeah. years back or something and the first time Anudidi told me hey do you want to write yeah. about this because I was like really ranting <laughs> about something on Facebook yes. and then so it was that simple and the base was just free it wasn't like oh send me a draft and uh, this is the word count <laughs> oh yes 
yes so that's also a reason why i really enjoy being part of sauri is that like in academic you feel so many restrictions you have to cite each damn word that you think on your own but then you have to give credit to someone else that thing is not there you are allowed to say things the way you want to say write the way you want to write it, there is no such restriction nobody is going to judge you the way you have expressed yourself the so called academic journals mm-hmm. it would take like forever for you to get one damn article published or <laughs> there is no such process involved when we talk about sauri that itself is very liberating for me that having a confidence that i can approach this space is itself very you know emancipatory in that sense brilliant that you are creating this space mm-hmm. for women like you and me and many others who are denied yes. so many spaces to take ownership of face and then learn from each other too because there's so many articles there that i've read and felt like yeah. yo this is fire like really it has filled me with strength and courage to take on the world because a lot of times the segregated lives that we live it makes us feel like we are fighting this battle alone but a space like savari brings us together and we feel like yes we are in this together i'm happy to yes. be associated with a space like yes, this and i'm totally so totally. proud of you pradnya that you're running this space here like creating this space and inspiring so many women like me Thank you're you. wonderful it's amazing the kind of work that you and savri has been doing and it's been how long that it has been working uh it's closed uh, yeah it's been a decade already yeah it's a decade of amazing writings by Dalit, Bahujan, yes. Adivasi, Indigenous women. It's a great space. I highly recommend yes. everyone to check it out. You're also editing the Marathi chapter of Roundtable India. Tell us about yes. Roundtable India. I love Roundtable India so mm. much. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the tagline says Roundtable India for an informed Ambedkarite age. So our vision is to annihilate the caste and roundtable india is a space where articulations from the world across are happening people send in their write ups about different issues but then intending at the larger objective of annihilation of caste roundtable india is one of the first of its kind that has existed for almost 10 years without fail without break and we are still growing i mean roundtable india is perhaps the only website which is continuously publishing articles daily at least three of them you you could see it's a huge huge content and, and there is no such rule of rejection submission and so that way it's very personal to me also it's something that has given me that kind of a community feeling it's not that i'm going in person asking for people okay are you from my community but then whenever i decide to go and check the website i feel there is a connection and people irrespective of their languages maybe they are from they may not be from india but then there is a kind of connectedness i feel roundtable india is a space which is giving me this it's giving that space for those interested to learn and understand and learn also
Yes. And it's also because it's very current. The articles that are written are topical. It's about what's happening right now. It's packed with emotions, which I find lacking in a lot of academic journals. There is energy and so personal. Yeah, it's also (laughs) a lesson, I think, for people like me to be able to work with sincerity and dedication because our battles are hard. They are so hard. But we have great examples to publish three articles every day to edit them well it's a it's a huge labor they're doing it it's being done by along their own personal work commitments and in fact roundtable india does not even have advertisements in the website you know it's totally free it's available it's out there and it's this huge wealth of knowledge and i'm so thankful that it exists and now we have a marathi version of the round table yes. india yes so uh, the reason why we thought about marathi version is that we might want to have the round table india for each language because the kind of expressions we get in regional languages are uncomparable they are the crux it's very organic it's very original so that's why we felt we we'll do write in marathi and they are very good similarly there is a kannada gujarati version as well hindi version of roundtable india also it's a brilliant idea congratulations it's going to be so amazing it's amazing it's inspirational i'm going to ask you if you can give some advice or suggestions people who are looking at getting into universities publishing their work or getting into editing uh, what would it be we always have this inhibition while writing so first thing is mm. to start writing Brilliant. without worrying much about how is it going to be seen how is it is it going to have the proper sentences taking a pen and starting to write is the only and is the first step towards you becoming you know a writer and have faith it's not that first thing is to have faith in yourself you need to tell yourself that whatever you are going to write is going to please you you are not writing to please others or it's not for others it's for yourself that you want to write something having that kind of faith in yourself is very essential i feel mm, great advice now can you share some works of women it could be books or it could be music or anything that you'd want to share with i'm really fond of Babitai Kambay, her autobiography uh, in Marathi, it's called Jina Amuja. It's available in English. Uh, the book name is The Prison We Broke. Then Hira Bansode is my favorite poet. Uh, she's a Dalit woman and she writes like phenomenal poetry. I can really suggest there is a very nice website called I think DalitPoetry.com. You will get to see many other translated into English. They are from Gujarati, from Marathi, mm-hmm. from Kannada. I I think I can suggest it. Do you have any organizations that you are supporting during this time? Any organization you would want to give a shout out to for working around covid and aid or anything in my hometown i have seen many small groups i don't think they really have a name there is one group called samyak about the upasak sangha they have been very consistent in providing grains and trying to reach out to the people who have been you know badly hit by the lockdown since the lockdown was so abruptly in, imposed on us none of us were really prepared i mean like the even if the 
grains are available a lot of people don't have savings to buy a lot of it and like store it yes. can you tell us how can one be a sister supporter i think we need to have trust for each other and we need to believe without judging without having any kind of judgment for the other person that is a huge support and secondly we need to learn to be good listeners also we really don't have to jump on giving suggestions if somebody is in need of help first thing is that we need to listen to the other person and understand that kind of a compassion and uh, faith is very much essential if you want to be a sister supporter these are very basic things but i think most of us at times we tend to you know overlook these very basic things awesome yeah be compassionate to your sisters and listen to us listen to your sisters it's so important be good listeners can you tell us where we can follow your work if you are on instagram facebook i write on round table india sawri and i'm also there on facebook as prajna jadav and there on instagram as prajna jadav so and there you heard her she's there go look for her round table india is roundtableindia.co.in and savri is dalitweb.org d a l i t w e b.org she's also on facebook and instagram it's been wonderful talking to you also thank you for giving me this special opportunity to talk about my life this has been an opportunity for me to reflect on my own life and talk about my childhood no it's okay darling it's fine thank you for joining me today it's always always such a good time i have with you whether it is like meeting you in person or talking with you on the phone this has been so great and i really enjoyed it um thank you for all the work that you do thank you for being an amazing sister that i can just pick up my phone and call at any point and uh, thank you for your endless labor that you put into sabri creating spaces for us to write and share and also thank you for the things that you write in sabri the amazing things that you write you are a gift pradnya and um, i really appreciate that you are my friend and uh, i can talk to you yeah you're a sister and i love you so much Yeah. Is there a cat? <laughs> okay, let her join also. She is What's going? One second, I'll just see what's going on. He's fighting with someone outside. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Sister Radio. You just heard a conversation between me Akita Me and Pradnya Bhim Sindhu. Make sure to check out roundtableindia.co.in and salvari@dalitweb.org 
You can also follow Pradnya on her Facebook and her Instagram. to support sister library please check our crowdfunder you can follow us on instagram at sister.library and on twitter at sister library you can write to us at i love reading women at gmail.com music for sister radio is by shasha patel thank you see you next time and keep celebrating women